At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone but not just anyone alma is there to help you find the right fit visit helloalma.com therapy 30 to schedule a free consultation today that's helloalma.com therapy 30 you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. Smokey Betts. Daniel Bard. Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball. Baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. So World Series is kicking off. World Series Media Day, or whatever you want to call them. World Series Media Availability, where they make the players sit at a table... And answer questions for about 45 minutes. Not dissimilar to the All-Star game. They do that the All-Star game. It's for the media. It's great. For the players, sometimes it's a pain in the butt. Um, but, you know, it's always a good time to sit down and, and talk to these guys where they can't say, I got to go hit, I got to go get treatment, whatever it is. And I think from my point of view, the star of the whole process, the star of the whole endeavor, media availability leading in the World Series before these Diamondbacks and before these Rangers took the field for the workouts, probably to start with Tommy Pham. Uh, so I planted myself in front of Pham and we talked and talked with some others and for about 25 to 27 minutes um, about a lot of things, including, by the way, Tommy Pham's take on his former team, the Mets. He also had his take on the former team, the Red Sox, take on the former team, the Reds. A lot of talk about team building, but you know, probably most notably, following up the comments that he made regarding the Mets position players, the way they go about doing business or the way they don't go about doing business. So it's a real honest and insightful conversation, and that's why I want to, of all of the ones that were recorded and taken in, soaked in for media availability. This is the one I wanted to surface for. We have others, but this is the one that you're going to want to listen to, I think, dig in. Tommy Pham. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I tried, when we were going down to the finish line in free agency, I had my agent call Freeman twice for Freeman to tell me no because... You know, I know some guys over there, and they were like, hey, man, you know, 
try to come here. So I, they were in my ear, and I was trying to make it happen, but Freeman didn't want to make it happen. And then again, at the deadline, Buki and JD were trying to get me to go, trying to get their front office to, to trade for me, and it didn't work out. I mean, ultimately, it, it just wasn't a, wasn't God's call. But I don't I don't have any hard feelings to it. It's just I look at it like I need to play better. That's, um, they don't think I'm a fit. And, you know, so be it. I, I have no hard feelings. I asked you about free agency. Do you think you proved that you could hit right in the pitch? I mean, that's a big thing in these front offices nowadays. You want to protect everybody. Yeah. Is that something? That's, that's something I, I really don't understand. Um, because hitting is hard. And earlier in the year when I was platooning, there was, there was righties that... Like, I'm like, all right, you know, I see this guy good. I need to be playing against him. And it just didn't happen. And I, I, don't, I don't know the thought, thought process behind it because, like, for instance, let me give you an example, man. We went on the road, and Buck was a straight shooter with me. I, I, I respect Buck a, a whole lot more. Um, after everything I've seen now in this game. I respect Buck times 100. So Buck showed me this paper and had the next six starters we were going to face. One of them was Stroman. One of them was Justin... uh, Not Steele. It was uh, the other lefty that was starting over there. Uh, I'm like one for ten off of him with a homer, but... He has to have about five strikeouts against me. Then the next starter was Jamison Tyon, who ended up getting scratched. And we ended up facing Hendricks. Then the next three were the Rockets. Two righties and a, and Gomer. And I, I had terrible numbers against the lefty, which on the piece of paper it had it said I was going to hit 250 off of it. Right? All the other righties, I was second second to last or dead last in expected numbers. Yet, I'm hitting like 600 off Strowman, who's a really good pitcher, you know, but I have an approach off of him, and it works. Um, I'm hitting over 400 off the of tie-on, and these are like the best numbers on the team. And off Hendricks... I had the second best numbers. Uh, it was over 400, though. And I sat, of course. Stroman carved it up, uh, up our behind, and so did Hendricks. So I'm watching these guys carve it, carve against us, and I, and I'm just like, I can't believe this. Then the funny thing is, I ended up facing those guys later in the year, you know, and you could see what I did off of them. I had a ton of success off of it. And it's just like how the team calculated my expected numbers off of them rather than going what I've actually done off of them just got thrown out of the window. And that's where the game is today, man. They they it, it's it's mind boggling. I don't I don't get it. 
but they rather have you, you know, face the lefty because I'm, I'm a righty or you're a lefty hitter. They rather have you face the lefty, come off the bench and face one of their high leverage arms coming out of, you know, coming out of the bullpen and, and try to pull, pull a miracle out of your hat. That's tough. You know, earlier in the year, you saw it. Um, or you cover the Dodgers. I'm around the So, when we played the Dodgers, I started against Kershaw. He, he went like seven innings. He carved it. Then the next two days, we faced the righties. And I came off the bench. If Dave didn't like that matchup with me facing, let's say, Vasaya, I believe that's his name. Vasaya. He just walked me. He said, oh, four pitches. Why? But, and and where it, it turned around and, and, and hurt us is, like, let's say we tie the game. Now, you know, you burnt two guys already. Now you're pulling me out for another lefty. You're burning three. Really, I saw four guys get burned just for one player. That's not, man. To me, that's not winning baseball. You know? I was talking about that because... I heard about the deadline stuff, and I, during that series, I was like, you, if you want to die, you want to be late. Yeah, yeah, they would have platooned me. Yeah. They would have platooned me. They would have platooned me. He could It's just, it's not. I mean, that's where the game is. I guess it's up to the players to all consistently prove that you're not a platoon player. Um, I came up hitting righties. I, what, what, what's crazy to me is how, like, for instance, there's not a lot of lefties in AAA because all the good ones are up here. That's the truth. That's the truth. All the good ones are up here. What, what threw me off is, like, when we're playing, and I mean all due respect, but a guy like Stone Garrett who just, this is his first year, and he's just a designated platoon player from the beginning of his career. I, I'm, I'm, I'm mind-boggled by that. How, how, are, how are guys now just designated platoon players from the start of their career? He doesn't get a chance to prove that he can hit right. You don't, you're not facing enough lefties in the minor leagues to, to show, like, all right, can't hit, you know, well, let's say you're a lefty hitter. Oh, he can't hit lefties. There ain't enough lefties in the minor leagues to to prove that. Because the good ones are here. The coaches would tell you that. So the way you describe it, Tommy, is that you're battling what your projected numbers are supposed to be rather than the history that you've had against. That's what it was like this year, yes. But... And this is what Buck was telling me. He was that's why I respect Buck. Buck is a great guy. He was being honest with me. He was like, you know, I gotta make a lineup. They want me to make this lineup off of this. And I was like, that's crazy. That's crazy. You know, you know, I'm, I'm hitting six hundred off and this is no small sample. This ain't like it's, you know, three for five. You know, I, I got twenty plus plate appearances against these guys. And, and that's just that's where the game is today. That's where the game is today. So now I know. You know, uh, I'll practice, do more work, 
on, on a slider machine or something, you know, so I could always prove I'm, I'm not a platoon player. Two deadlines, teams got you, the Red Sox and then these guys, because you have a presence about you, you're a good clubhouse guy, and do you think that that's valued enough in the game? No, it's not quantified. Um, guys in the game and in, in, in media acknowledge it, but I mean, the front offices, I, I'm not sure. Um, I put a no trade in my next contract. No. Probably, probably going to throw that out there now. Because I've been traded a lot. Uh, you know, it's not really in my control. So, I like how Justin and Max were controlling where they wanted to go. So, I'm going to try to throw that in there. You know, no trade or... Or give me an assignment bonus, you know, you trade me like I had in Cincy, a million dollars. So, you know, it doesn't feel as bad. But getting traded is tough. Getting traded in this year, it was, it was harder. It was harder for me because I wasn't expecting to get traded when I signed with the Mets. I didn't expect that situation to occur. Like, when I signed in Cincy, Nick was very honest with me. He said, Tommy, we're rebuilding. If at the deadline, if we have a chance, we're gonna we're gonna make some moves. If not, we're gonna go the opposite way. So I was prepared for that. I wasn't prepared this year. So it hurt. And it also hurts when you know you build relationships with guys. It's just, it gets snatched right out of you. So, and, and in all honesty, when I got traded here, I mean, I know Longo for playing against him. I always say, what's up? I know Marte. So I always say, what's up to him? But everyone else, I didn't have a level of friendship with. So I had to, you know, it's like the first day of school or, or you get... You know, your parents move to another neighborhood and you got to go to a new school. Like, you know, you have to rebuild everything. And in the middle of the year, that's, that's tough. There's a human element to this that people don't understand. So it, it was harder for me this year. How long did it take to sort of feel like you enacted something here? Probably... Probably like a, a, a good month. Well, you mentioned the respect that you had for Buck and, and leveling with you about some of those lineup decisions. You raised a lot of eyebrows back in New York when you talked about you thought the team as a whole maybe didn't work to, up to your standards or work hard enough. What, why do you... The position players, I said. Yeah, yeah. What was, what, was the, what was the context, really? Because it, it was just kind of that sentence that was kind of taken out of your statement. Was it just that? Was it just that simple that you just felt that the guys just maybe didn't have the grind, or they weren't? So I do feel like there's a level, a certain level of of requirements every day. I understand, and I do know, I work harder than most. So I'm, I'm not comparing 
anyone to me. I'm comparing everyone to what I believe is the level of expectations. And, and that's what I meant by it. Yes, I do feel like there's a level of expectations um, and, and preparation and work ethic going into the game. And I was very honest. I just didn't feel like it was being met as a whole. I didn't. I didn't call anyone out. I didn't. I didn't. You know. But I'm sure if, if anyone disagrees with me over there, then man, you got to take a long look in the mirror and, and, and be honest. Be a very honest self-evaluator because. That team is talented. That team is more talented than this team. Let's be honest here. But what makes this team different is everyone is still at this level trying to reach their max potential. You know, and my max potential now might be, you know, the everyday, average everyday player. You know, I. I'm still trying to play like 17, 18, 19. That's what keeps driving me. I'm trying to prove I still got that in me. And there might be a time where I show it consistently for a month or two. And there's times where I show like, all right, I don't belong in big leagues. But that's what keeps driving me. You know, the drive wasn't there. And that drive is, is here. And that's what separates this team most teams you know you have guys that are still trying to get better every day you have teammates trying to help guys get better and, and that's dangerous but when I reflected on that the last time that I saw that was St. Louis that's why St. Louis had such a, a winning culture because they had Yachty and Wayne they were those guys that were helping the other guys get better because if winning mattered to them the most they looked at it like alright if I could get this guy better and that guy better we're going to win more games Yachty, Yachty this is back before I was given a card in the outfield and told where to play you know that's how it is I, I, get, I get a card they tell me where to play Yachty took me into the video room. You know, in the minor leagues, we read swings. But Yachty took me into the video room, and he goes, Tommy, I'm going to show you how to how to position yourself in the outfield. Because I was playing simple in the Cardinals. He showed me where to position guys, you know, along with reading swings to make me better, to make the team better. It's not, I mean, is it like that today? Not necessarily, but I mean, there's guys here that that are that help guys get better. And honestly, I wish I could still do my own homework to position guys because I'd rather have that fall on me than, than a card. But that's how it was over there. That's the culture. Winning, winning is a culture that I'm starting. That's what I'm starting to realize. 
see where this game is headed. They, I went to the the meetings when we were negotiating with the owners, and they said players used to get five and a half years of service time, like eight years ago. That was the average service time. Now it's three and a half. So I just look at it like, you know, if you're not being a pro, you're going to be out of the game. Soon, sooner than later. You know, look, there's a reason why I'm, I'm still able to play, man. Um, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not putting up 17, 18, 19 numbers, but everyone knows I'm a, I'm a pro's pro. You said winning is a culture. How would you describe the Diamondbacks culture? Oh, uh, you missed it. Oh, did I miss it? Oh Sorry. Oh, gosh, I missed it. <laughs> and it was good. It was really good. Well, everything you said so far has been fabulous. Oh, I missed it. Hey. What makes the Dynamax culture special? You got guys here on the team that are helping other guys to continue to get better. How have you helped them get better? I might say a thing or two, and they believe me. You mentioned before, Tommy, there's so many great teams on paper. The Mets are probably one of those teams on paper that should be a great team, but none of those teams are here. I mean, the yeah. Rangers are maybe one of those teams. So without what you're talking about, it's not really possible to get where you want to go, it sounds like. Yeah, that's one of the reasons, the biggest reason I signed with New York. You know, I, on paper, I was just like, man, we're that team. We're that team. And um, I love my time in New York. Um, I love, you know, Alex and uh, Steve, but sometimes on paper it just doesn't it doesn't get put together like you envision it. That's kind of what happened there. But I don't see that team struggling for long, man. There's guys over there that are hungry. You have an owner that that cares about winning. Um, free agent. <laughs> but how are they going to get that ingredient that you're saying that, that they need? You know, because that's not there. That wasn't there. Yeah, Does a new manager bring that? Does a, a new player bring that? I mean, it's, I would it's going say to be a lot of the same crew. Most of it falls on the players. That's what I think. You know, your coaches help you prepare every day. It's their job to help us prepare and a little bit of that, I guess you could say, help us get better. Ultimately, you're going to get better from your teammates. Your teammates are going to make you better. That's what I've learned. And, it, you know, I've had the biggest improvements as a player from, from my teammates. Now, you could go get outside help. You know, maybe in the offseason you go work with a hitting coach or whatever. But most of my biggest gains have been from 
from my teammates. And, and like, I, I see only, only because I'm, you know, I'm in the outfield shagging every day. You know, I see guys like Thompson. He's come here. I, I think he's brought more to the bullpen that you guys can quantify because he talks about guys' stuff. Like, you know, like, oh, you should, I, I don't know the pitching lingo, but, you know, I'm, I've heard him talk to Castro about usage and, and other guys, and I've, I've seen how that has translated their game. And, and front office can't quantify that, right? But how much wins has that helped this team? I mean, we've only made the postseason by one game. Owing again that you're a veteran and you've seen a lot put in there, did you have an aha moment in all this year with the Mets where you're like, I signed because I thought it was going to be really good, but now I know it's probably not going to be really good? Um, that kind of got risen in, in, in Philly in, or Atlanta. We lost all those games where it was just like, how did we lose these games? And, but I don't, I don't see New York struggling. This, this might just be a mulligan year. That, that organization is is going to be built for success because you know I see how they're changing everything. It's, it's into a winning atmosphere. So. If you're a fan, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too worried. I have to ask, what was your takeaway from your two months in Boston? Um, their fans care. Thank goodness I got off to a good start. Cause oh man, you don't want to get booed there. Uh, their fans care. Um, I love Alex. Alex is a, is a is a is a, a player's manager. He's very in tune with the locker room, which is great. And their coaching staff, they're they're trying to make you better. Like as a as a player, man, and you see that, you just respect it. That I don't I don't see that team struggling long either. Um, I felt like Hyam got the farm system strong. I, winning teams have good farm, good farm systems. So their farm system's up there now, and they can make a splash in free agency with the money they have and easily turn that around. He's like, you know, you see this team here. They got their farm good, then they went out and signed some guys in the World Series. It's to have sort of when you were there, you know, we had all these guys who were free agents, right? Bogarts and JD. Have those foundation guys. That's all Boston knew, right? And then it wasn't so much from a from a distance seeing that. How important is that to have sort of those fan foundation guys? Like your foundation guy, this you know Longoria is a foundation. To have those guys, you can let everybody else, like you said, the farm system can come up around. You need it. I'm, I'm starting to see you need it because when you get called up kind of don't know your way you know and I, I was man I was so lucky Cardinals had a great mix young guys and veteran guys I was lucky thank goodness the, 
because, you know, Yachty, Wayno, Matt Holiday, like, these are top-notch guys, great people, too. On, on top of being, you know, great players, they're great people. So I was spoiled in a sense, and now, you know, you, you see teams, they don't even have one or two guys. And it's just like, man, I feel bad for the young guys because they don't, they don't know what it's like. So you said it's important for them to have that. Now you're in the leadership role. What's it like for you to be in the leadership role? It's gone so fast. Man, time has flew by. But um, I, just, I just try to be a pro. It sounds so cliche, but I believe, you know, showing up every day, prepar- preparing in the cage, BP, on defense, trainer's room, weight room, um, then, you know, if I might see something that I that could help a guy, you know, I try to let him know and I give him an example. Like, you just, like, when I, when I, when I met, when I started to get to know Thomas, I was like, hey, man, I really think you could be special in this league. You know, you're an elite defender. He's a gold glove defender. He runs the bases well. I do think he could steal way more bases with his speed. Some of that is a confidence thing. But I was like, you know, if you get your bat right, like, you're going to be around in this game a long time. But this is what I see. You know, if... if if I just went up to him and it came at him different, he probably would have been like, you know, you know, forget you. It's, you got to kind of know how to talk to him. Tommy, the, uh, the executive who brought you into the Nats, Billy Epler, the manager who managed you, both gone. There's going to be a new administration, a new manager. And again, I'm doing this because you're a veteran and a perceptive veteran. What do they need to do? You think it's going to get better quickly. What do they need to do for it to get better quickly? Steve will probably go out and sign some guys. I'm <clears throat> sorry. Steve will go out and sign guys. Look, what he, look how he just rebuilt the farm. That's, that's key. That's key to winning teams, having a strong farm. Edwin's going to be back. You know how much that's going to help. Well, pick up some more bullpen arms, go out. They lost two starters, so you go out and get two more starters. But essentially, I look at it like all they did was cut payroll. Because 40-plus millionaire paying each of those guys, each Verlander and Scherzer, probably go out and get two elite starters for two-thirds of that. Might be a chess player. It'll be an interesting season. There. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, they do. Someone they know can play in New York. I think I can. <laughs> Did you have to make amends with those guys before you... Uh... Not at all. No, I still talk to all those guys. There's no, there's no hard feelings. They knew where you were coming from on that. Yeah. Can I share if you're done? In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I uh, 
I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.